My grandfather converted to Christianity from Hinduism. He was ostracized by his community for years, yet his faith kept him consistent with his Christian beliefs. So much so, the same community later respected him enough to make him an elder of the village. Today, unlike my grandfather, many of my family members are cursory Christians at best. Situations and offsprings have dictated how and what we want to believe. Even when it comes to resolving issues, we just cover it up and allow the cancerous feeling to grow. But this probably sounds like many members of many families, doesn't it? It's easy to say, well, that's the way it is. What can we do about it? Just let it go. I've heard that at work. I've heard that in my family. I've heard that in my church. The human condition erodes the Christian experience because we allow it to. But Paul reminds us that the Christian experience must prune and nurture the human condition. Yes, prune. And I don't mean the fruit. I'm Falvo, and this is Sabbath School University. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. Sabbath School U. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. This may be the last show we're producing at Andrews University. No, Sabbath School U is not going to be canceled, at least for not right now. The plan is to move this show to the Hope Studios in Maryland. I've appreciated the diversity and input of students. It's been a blessing conversing with so many young adults and knowing the present and future of the church is in good hands. Speaking of good, well, speaking of hands, well, good hands, <laughs> our hosts for this quarter are back and I'm gonna ask them to tell me something about, the, about languages as they speak. There we go. Well, my name is Aika and um, I only speak English and uh. some German. <laughs> some? <laughs> and? And Greek and, and I don't speak Greek. I teach Greek. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're not going to go now. Seriously. Just English. You Good. don't speak any other language. Yeah. I trying. believe I've been told that I don't speak any language because I have horrible grammar in every single one. Uh. So therefore, I can communicate in some. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. For now. Andrew. <laughs> well, I speak English the best. Um, I also speak Spanish. I don't get to practice it really that often. And I'm learning Norwegian because interestingly enough, I am currently married yes. to <laughs> Norwegian. <laughs> yeah, to Norwegian. Cool. Her name is Anneli. Anneli, A-N-N-E-L-I. Cool. Shout out to Anneli. <laughs> Sarah, since you can speak, communicate in some languages, would you offer prayer and read scripture? Read scripture and pray in Russian. For the rest no. of us, it's going to sound like it's in English. No, I'm going to pray in English and it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pray first and then I'll read the scripture. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity to pause and just talk to you. And as we open up your word and as we discuss this lesson, help us to be able to be in tune with you. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to come before you constantly. Uh, no matter how human and silly we can get. We love you so much. In your name, amen. amen. I love the last silly part, yes. <laughs> okay, Second Thessalonians 2.15. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Okay, traditions. Traditions. Well, let's start off. This week's the author talks about a comparison between um, the church and plants. Mm -hmm. And I use the word prune in the um, intro. Oh, yeah. How how do you see the similarities and differences in that analogy? 
Mm. Well, we could be really cheesy about it, and like if it's a plant, you know, it needs good water and living water, <laughs> and then sun, <laughs> <laughs> and then it needs to be trimmed yes. once in a while. Cheesy was like the one <laughs> where you want to go. The rest of you, would you like to bring more to the stage? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. I think they both need a lot of care, for sure. Um, you think of, you know, some plants need more care than others in some churches need more care than mm -hmm. others. I think that's one. And some need to be totally cut down. See, yeah. <laughs> Ika, you can follow. <laughs> I think just like plants, churches go through different phases. Mm -hmm. oh. um, different moments. <laughs> Much deeper. <laughs> there's a sprouting phase, there's a development phase, there's a strengthening phase. <laughs> yes. um, and that requires different, different ways of treating a plant. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a winter phase, there's a summer phase, there's a spring phase, there's a fall phase. Um, we just go through phases. Life isn't always identical, and there's not a cookie-cutter type approach to everything that we do. And so if you cut, cut a big tree and you'd see the rings, you'd see that there were phases where the tree grew fast and others where it was difficult, and some people can even mm -hmm. trace fires and, and all these things in the tree rings. And that's just how I think Christian life is at times. There are times when we feel like we're on, lit on fire, for good or for bad causes, yeah. persecuted or d facing difficulties. Yeah. Well, we were talking in the first show, which um, was done 12 lessons ago in 20 minutes. Uh, we, <laughs> we were talking about how we have to know the audience we were going to, I mean, the message. Mm -hmm. It's similar with plants, different right. plants, different soil, different, and different churches. I mean, if you're pastoring three churches even in the same community, those three churches could be Absolutely very different. different. Very yeah. different. I like what you said about the cutting, you know, there, my mom had a, a, a persimmon tree in her yard for, I think, 18 years. Mm -hmm. Not once bore fruit. And every year she'd go, well, maybe this year we'd have the flowers, but there's no fruit. So finally she decided to cut it down. Hmm. She cut it down. And the view in the house was so much better. Huh. You know, we, we were like, wow, this is nice. <laughs> Why didn't we do this earlier? <laughs> uh, I, I think that's something we have to consider when we're, when we're, building churches or establishing churches is, mm -hmm. you know, what, what point? Right. How far do you have to trim down? You know, is it all the way or is it like just a little bit? Because I know um, I worked landscaping for one summer and I remember we had to trim down trees and sometimes we trim them so like far down mm. that I was like, how can this possibly grow or like be anything at this point? It's just a stub. But then the next year it was way more beautiful than it would have ever been if mm. we had let it keep growing. Because what I didn't know was is there was bacteria or like different things eating at it so it was slowly dying but I couldn't see it from the outside but the person that was a specialist knew and knew it had to be trimmed way way down and so it was really cool to see that. Well and then you also trim for another reason to 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 produce more fruit and uh, that's what a, mm -hmm. what you're doing with vines. You see that around in, in Bering Springs I mean every oh, time. Mm -hmm. They just trim the tree so that the fruit gets bigger so that the that the vine or the apple tree or whatever doesn't put all its energy into the leaves and the branches, mm -hmm. but actually into the fruit, to the mm -hmm. juiciness of that fruit. That's so right. there are different reasons that you want to yeah. steer something. We're talking about tradition and, and right. this idea of, okay, we have a plant and we have an old tree, what do we do, how do we compare the two? Um, Paul talks about tradition in, in Thess for Second Thessalonians 3, 9, 3, 9, 3 basically. Yeah. What's a unique problem that he faced there? Hmm. Not necessarily with tradition, but what unique problem for him to talk about all of these things? Uh -huh. Yeah, um, I think I, we could just read probably like verse verse ten. For even when we were Which with chapter? you, this is 
Second Thessalonians 3, mm -hmm. verse 10. Right. For even when we were with you, we command you to this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. And then he says, you know, we heard that there's somebody that are, they're doing that, and you're carrying, about, carrying yourselves in a disorderly manner. And uh, I think that's one of the issues that he brings out. Mm -hmm. I, I you notice that I just mentioned tradition and this chapter, not one of you went, what does tradition have to do with <laughs> the reading? Huh. I mean, Which brings I mean, you to an interesting point. It's just because you have somebody leading out in a discussion or pastoring uh, a church doesn't oh, mean you just follow yeah. along because that's the way it's supposed to go. Challenge it. Yeah. That's part so of the whole thing. I have I a think question. It is about tradition. Well, not, not, when he, not when he comes up and says, look, this is not, not what we do. This, he's talking about idleness here, race, basically. Uh -huh. You know, it's just because he's talked about people were giving up stuff for the second coming. And mm -hmm. Paul's coming and says, look, that's not what you're supposed to do. You don't just give up everything and, and sit back. Mm -hmm. uh, it, part of going in a church is is getting involved, supporting yourself, basically. Mm -hmm. And that's what I read here. Would you like to tell me about tradition? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. The passage challenged, challenged me, challenged yes. Twice about tradition. <laughs> and that is in uh, chapter 2, verse 15, and in chapter 3, verse 6, in verse 15 of chapter 2, it says, so then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the traditions that you were taught by us. But how, does, how, do you, how do you balance, okay, since we've got to jump to tradition and come back to 3, mm -hmm. how does that We'll go with Ica for right now. How does tradition and, and growing work? I mean, you well, can't just stay with, well, this is the way we've always done it, so we're not going to let anything new come in because mm -hmm. this is what our forefathers have said. I mean, I love the idea that in almost every country they always go back to the Constitution. The yeah. Constitution was written by people that were about the average age back then. And we don't look at how technology and everything's changed us. I think we need to watch out how we understand tradition. We first need to see it in the context. And, and I think the tradition that you're talking about is one that we've traditionally come to understand. Traditionally. Traditionally yes. to understand. Yes. Um, the tradition that he's talking about is the things that he has, and he says this, the traditions that you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by our letter, which refers to the previous book in 2 mm -hmm. Thessalonians, so that would be 1 Thessalonians. And Paul had a very high, he is an apostle, He's writing in the name of God, and this is Scripture. We find that in Peter dealing and talking about the letters of Paul. Yeah. This is Scripture. This is already the Bible. Already during their lifetime, yeah. we see that this has the value of Scripture. And so it's something different than a long tradition of 150 years, 250 mm -hmm. years mm -hmm. of understanding. We find that same Greek word that he uses here, paradosis, used in the Gospels in a negative sense. Here he uses it in a positive sense, mm. in a negative sense. Jesus, uh, the, the Pharisees come, you're not washing your hands properly and you're not keeping the Sabbath properly. And Jesus says that is That's tradition of men. That would be in Mark 7, oh, Mark, for example, okay. Mark 7, verse 2. <laughs> he has, Who's there? He has <laughs> somewhere in there, yes. Yeah. So he's talking about traditions of men and Jesus is opposed to that. He says, mm -hmm. Scripture is our guide. Mm. And that's what I, I, we need to understand, I think, that word tradition in this case a little differently than, than mm -hmm. we would. Jesus is against just layers of hand-me-downs, mm. um, but Paul here is saying, what I gave you, um, mm. that is what is important. Scripture is important. So what he gave them, gives them. So in 3, 9 to 12, he tells them that in the previous letter, he writes to them and tells them about the second coming. So everybody gives up their stuff and says, okay, forget whatever we learn about being apart and you know toiling and everything else. Let's give it up and wait. Mm. Yeah. So what was that, you know, how did Paul deal with that situation? Told him to get involved, do something. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's you know I, I know people even when Harold Camping to 2011 mm -hmm. when he made that pre that prediction that Jesus was going to come, there were Christians around the world that gave up mm -hmm. stuff and they decided to wait. Yeah. There was there's I know of a guy in in, in I can't tell you which country, but. Um, <laughs> who who actually went and bought? Who asked people to give their, their land to him because Jesus was coming? He didn't give up his land, but he asked everybody to give his land, their land, and people mm -hmm. did. Huh. And in this case, it's similar. How did Paul deal with it? Go ahead. You look like you're about to go with. <laughs> you know, um, Paul Paul kind of has this this um, idea that hey, Jesus, yes, he's coming. He, he even, you know, in First Thessalonians, Thessalonians 4 kind of implies that Jesus could come even in his lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, but then he's, he also in First Thessalonians, as we've studied uh, leading up to Lesson 13, um, he also has this idea that even though Jesus could come, you should still live responsibly. Don't mm -hmm. just give up everything just because Jesus is coming soon because um, you still, there, there's, your theology, your whole perspective on the second coming has to allow for a possible delay, you know, mm -hmm. and this is kind of what Paul is saying, that, you know, just because we're preaching and we're, we're living as though he's coming soon, you need to, you need to be prepared in, just in case he doesn't. Right. First and Second Thessalonians both deal with um, the second coming, but from different angles. When Paul wrote the first letter to Thessalonians, they were worried that, um, that some people of them were dying and Jesus hadn't come back yet. Mm -hmm. So he wanted to prepare them and say, you know, it might take a little longer mm -hmm. and there's no need to be worried, no need to be afraid mm -hmm. that, um, that some of you are dying. You will be resurrected. God has and Jesus has the power to resurrect you. In Second Thessalonians, in the meantime, people had come in and distributed false ideas. In fact, most likely even a false letter of Paul because he writes at the end of chapter three in the second letter, he says, I'm writing this with my own hand to prove that this is me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So false letters had come in uh, and shaken this community. Mm -hmm. They had become busybodies, sowing seeds of fear and distrust. Mm -hmm. But and that isn't just the Thessalonians. We see that today in, in the church. Exactly. You got people yeah. that go, well, I'm from, and you know, nobody checks credentials. Mm -hmm. and, and so what Paul is addressing here in verse 11 is, in the, in the subsequent verse, for we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies. So it wasn't that they were just sitting back and doing nothing, mm -hmm. they were doing the spreading of sowing of fear of different ideas. Mm -hmm. You should be this and you should be that. And it mm -hmm. was this festering that was going on and people were putting their noses in things mm -hmm. that they weren't supposed to do. But we don't have that now. We've <laughs> no. come so far. <laughs> Does that go into kind of traditions where sometimes people just do things because it's what has always been done with nothing behind it? And so it's like the same concept where it's like you show up at this time and do this thing at this time, but and you have and, no idea why. And you just deviate slightly from it and everybody's all in, up in arms because exactly. you know, that's the way our church has always done it. Yeah. Exactly. I, mean, I remember there's a, a, trying to talk to a, a church about having a young adult program and they went, no, we're a high church. Mm -hmm. Don't even ask me to define that word because my mind will go all over the word place mm -hmm. with the word high. <laughs> you know, it's like, what does that mean? But yeah. you know, how do you, in a situation like this, where you have people rooted in tradition mm -hmm. and not the, the positive way of, tradition is good, I'm not saying it's bad, mm -hmm. right. but there, you don't do things just because that's the, the script. Right. Yeah. You use it because it's your belief system, it's your foundation. But I think uh, sometimes people lose their belief system in trying to keep up with all the nitty gritty idle things that we do to make things look nice. And idleness often comes from the fact that 
you're so familiar with the routine mm -hmm. that you don't grow. Mm -hmm. You sit back and say, I know what this is, so I don't even have to participate. I get up and they t our church changed. Our church changed the format of of the, uh, the worship service. Yeah. And I, after a trip, I came back and without even thinking, I stood up and I realized <laughs> nobody else was. You yeah. know, I'm like, okay, I, next yeah. time I got to read and make sure I'm paying attention. Yeah. 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 No, I was I was about to say that sometimes it's just easier to keep going with what you've always done. Mm -hmm. You know, it's easier to sometimes just keep up tradition because mm -hmm. it's change can be difficult at times, but. I guess we, we should challenge ourselves to continually compare our traditions with Scripture. Mm -hmm. or, That's important. Or you know, even outside of you know, the spiritual realm, uh, evaluate your traditions and see, hold on, why am I doing this? And does it still make sense? Mm -hmm. am I, you know, is it still applicable with the way that the world has changed? You know, perhaps in, in the business world, whatever you're doing, you got to evaluate. I think what you're saying is really important because this is the traditions that Paul is actually referring to. Mm -hmm. These founded on scripture, founded yes. on the mm -hmm. true word. And if we look at church history, things have always moved from one movement to the next. A movement okay. started and then it became stale and old and hardened in what they thought. A system for any number of years will just harden. And it, in some ways it's natural because we don't want to rethink every step. It's that new wine and old wild skin thing. Yeah. You right. don't, yes, and, and you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Right. Um, that's Any just other the, the <laughs> <laughs> Great. It, it just makes life easier. I know how to tie my shoelaces. I don't need to worry about it every morning. It makes mm -hmm. life easier. But at yeah. the same time, if something is new, is it necessarily bad? And so what we see in, in church history is that things get are fresh and alive and they get old and a new movement starts and then somebody else has a fresh mm -hmm. new train. Mm -hmm. And then that mm -hmm. movement gets calcified and then a new movement comes out. And we're one of these movements, and the danger is that we become calcified like all the other movements right. before us. Mm. We say that we are something, maybe the remnant, maybe, but do we, are we really still a movement? Are we still able to adapt and are based on the tradition that Paul is talking about, not the tradition of men? Mm. And that is the question. So let me yeah. introduce you to Falvo Fowler's theory of the nail in the shoe. Actually, it's the principal. Okay. I had my uh -oh. favorite pair of shoes. <laughs> I was living in India at the time. I got a favorite pair of shoes. Loved the shoes. Most comfortable as, as possible. And it started wearing off. I had holes on the top. The sole was good. The sole was good. But the had <laughs> No, I'm just not going there. And I, I got it. I got I, I, I There was something about the shoe that just was really comfortable. My parents finally got so fed up. They got me a new pair, forced me to wear it. Mm -hmm. I missed something in the old shoes. I put my old shoe back, and it was just perfect. I knew it so well. Eventually I looked at my toe and I realized that there was a callus form forming on my toe. Hmm. And so I looked at the sole of my shoe and found out there was a nail in the shoe. And all these years that nail was slowly picking at my toe and I oh, didn't wow. realize it but I got so comfortable for, to the pain, so what? used to the pain that that became my favorite shoe. So when a new pair came out that was more comfortable, I missed the pain of that nail. Wow. Now, coming to churches, <laughs> you know, how do you deal with the pains in the church? I mean, how do you deal with the busybodies? Now, Thessalonians had the busybodies, and we have that in our churches today. Mm -hmm. How does a church deal with discipline based on the principles that Paul's outlined? Mm -hmm. how, how do you realize that you have a nail in your soul? In your soul. <laughs> I cannot believe I said that, but you know, yes. Now who's the cheesy one? <laughs> <laughs> 
Man, well, I mean, one of the basic principles that he talks about, and I've always tried to take on myself when I have a challenging individual, you know, as you go directly. She looks like her. Yeah. <laughs> when I have a challenging individual, I, I try have to a go challenging individual for you <laughs> and converse with them. And I think it's a principle of instead of just letting it fester and explode, or letting like gossiping about it over here while the actual issue is over here, is just approaching it and going directly to it. I wish my family's watching the show right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because you go directly to the issue and you converse with them and you let them know your concerns or just have a dialogue with them. And if that works, great. Chances are it'll take a but couple that's more steps. Matthew. Matthew says that. I mean, Jesus yeah. says that. Yeah. Matthew you know, 18. Yeah. When you pick this up and meet. Yeah. I was on a walk with a friend who is a photographer, and he's just an amazing photographer. And there was this elder, uh, an older man coming, and he was just dressed in a very unique way. And, and so um, uh, my friend wanted to take a picture, so he approached him, can I take a picture? I'll break your camera. If you take a picture, I'll break your camera. So he's like, oh. But he kept on talking to him. He's like, oh, so how's your day and all of that, and put the <laughs> camera away. Come to find out that the guy was not, I will smash your camera with my fist. He was saying, I'm so ugly that if you take a picture of me, ah. it'll break your camera. Aww. And it was trying to be funny. It just didn't come across to any of us in that crowd. So. If you confront an issue, sometimes you notice uh. that you just miscommunicated. Yeah. You just talked right past each other. So my friend asked him, can I take a picture? Of course, take a picture. Um, that's how I meant that it. That is so funny. And so I think we often just miscommunicate mm -hmm. like yeah. that. And if we were to address the issue, mm -hmm. we'd suddenly find out sometimes there isn't an issue at all. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes there still is. And I think Paul is dealing with an issue. But I like what he says. Mm -hmm. The first thing he does is... Where is this now? Verse 12, chapter 3, verse 12. The first thing that he does, he's identified them as... Often, I think, in life we miscommunicate. But mm -hmm. here he actually has a, has a problem with these people. And he says... Now such persons, we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ, do your work quietly and earn your own living. So that's a direct address to them. So he addresses them personally. And he mm -hmm. says, do something, change your behavior. That's the first thing. And then he says, now he addresses the community, brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. Note of those who do this, have nothing to do with them so that they may be ashamed. Do not regard them as enemies, but warn them as believers. And that's verse 15. Now, if we understand the culture back then, the greeting that they would say is not, how are you? That's kind of American. Or good day, that would be a European greeting. It was blessings upon you. Mm -hmm. That was the way that you greeted somebody. And Tell he's saying, <laughs> we should start that. if yeah. somebody is not doing what, what is right, don't bless them. Mm -hmm. Don't ask God to bless them wow. in their life. So he's he's not <laughs> against them personally. He's just saying, don't bless these people. Don't encourage them in their walk. But he says, do not regard them as enemies, mm. but warn them as believers. And I just like this idea. We immediately, you're a conservative, you're a liberal, and we have labels, and you're my enemy, and I have to be against you. I'm just saying generic. Okay. Right. I was like, yes, yeah. I'm like, confused. You you <laughs> 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 just generic. Um, we immediately catch, uh, chastise people as enemies, mm -hmm. and I can't talk to you, and I can't listen to you anymore. Message boards bad all over the place. Yeah. Absolutely. Christian message boards. I mean, you read Christian message boards, and and, and the the uh, the caustic remarks. Mm. I mean, what's Christian about them? How can you sit there and and knock somebody out in, in the language that you use today? And I think we spend so much time giving the rules that we forget about anything else. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like, here's what you have to do. 
and then it's like there's nothing else there. So that's where a lot of miscommunication comes because it's not a conversation. It's not even an explanation, really. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like, do this. And it's a lot more about the mood than mm -hmm. it is about often the actual words. Yeah. I can say, Sarah May, why don't you, or Sarah May, you should. And it's going to come across. You're going to be defensive. And mm -hmm. there's a lot about communication. The, so how does, how does a Christian deal with that? I mean, when you have people that seem so confident in their Christian. I mean, are there sometimes I sit here, I'm sitting in the studio, and I hear people talking about their Christian walk. And they come here, and they quote scripture so well. And I'm standing, sitting at the back going, Lord, how do I continue doing this when I'm not even close to knowing or dealing with that? You know, people come up in confidence. And there are some people just sort of wilt. Mm -hmm. When, when they're trying to grow, they hear these people that carry themselves. Mm -hmm. It may be misplaced confidence, it may be completely wrong theologically, mm -hmm. but they have this thing that's almost mm -hmm. overbearing. Yeah. How do you deal with that? I think um, sometimes you can't really, you have to avoid comparing yourself and to, to other people and, and feeling inferior in that sense. <laughs> it's so much easier to feel inferior. <laughs> well, actually, it might be pretty How good to feel superior. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because um, when, because sometimes, the way that you perceive things is not the way that things really mm -hmm. are. Some people can appear really confident, like they have it all together, but behind the scenes, everything's falling apart. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, even even here, like like you mentioned, some people come on the show. When you can, when you come on camera, everything can appear perfect. You know, there's all the makeup, there's everything that you know, and and. Hey, yeah. behind the scenes, there could We're still just ugly be people. <laughs> <laughs> but and I think for me, one of the biggest things is, is as being younger sibling and as being most of the time younger than most people in my friend group, sometimes I'll get really, you know, like taken aback or like, I, I have nothing to say. Yeah. I've never seen you taken aback. I'll just jibber jabber about oh. nothing and it will be great. <laughs> but I think that a lot of times I think people do that also with their spirituality and with church and I think that they put so much stock in what the pastor is going to think of them or what someone else is going to think of them in the church that they deny their personal relationship with God. And I think the only way they can grow is to continually let God work in them. And, and I know that sounds really like typical and like almost cliche, you know, like turn it all over to God, which is obviously true. But I think also challenging yourself and saying, God, you know, tear down what doesn't need to be there and build up what does. And I think it's change that's painful and it's that pruning that we've been talking about. But at the same time, it's something that it has to go back to your own, your own relationship with God. If you're going to truly approach people and challenge them to be more like God, you have to have some pretty big things out of your closet too in order to like I think there. every challenge is two things an opportunity to grow or an opportunity to shrink mm. and I can take it as an opportunity to oh no that person said this to me or now I feel bad or I need to or I can take it as an opportunity to grow in Jesus mm. and if I take that as an opportunity to grow and I base it on what Paul says here on what he wrote and about what scripture says then I'm on a sure foundation. And then I re-examine myself. Did that person have something? Was that an mm -hmm. appropriate comment or not? But how can I grow out of this? Yeah. And that's a different approach than letting everything just hurt me. And right. part of that growing process, again, coming back to the whole analogy between the church and, 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 plants. and plants, is the fact that you go back to what makes you, what I don't want to say fertilizes, but you know what helps you grow the the, the, the nutrients that you need. And the only way you can find that as a Christian is go back to Scripture. Mm -hmm. So when you're dealing with people that are not helpful, the people that, that are the busybodies, go back to Scripture to find out what you have to do and follow it. If Matthew says go talk to the person, try talking to the person. If it doesn't work, bring an elder. Um, don't be idle. Don't sit back and be with a familiar. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least that's what I get when I read this. This has been a great study, mm -hmm. and I'm hoping that you know what we've done has helped people go back to scripture Absolutely. to find out what's really there. Mm -hmm.
Thank you all for being the three of you. This might be the last time I see you, but I will see you again uh. somehow. If you would like to contact us, I'm hoping, if you would like to contact us, please visit us at our website. It's www.sabbathschoolyouth.org. That's sabbathschool, the letter U.org. Remember the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and, and for, for the, the heart. heart. For Sabbath School, you on Falvo, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>